All right, happy Monday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. We said it was going to be a crazy weekend, and it was a crazy weekend. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you have any thoughts, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. Going to have a big thing coming up on Twitch in, uh, later this month, so stay tuned for that. YouTube, uh, you can just search Couch Potato Diary or look for me. I am PrimetimeKlein on there. Uh, what else? Email the show, CouchPotato diary at yahoo.com and the music is provided by waste of talent a lot to run through on the show this week we got cfl uh, a disturbing trend i've noticed uh nfl another disturbing trend is i keep losing but the games that i actually focused on uh one boxing canelo alvarez is amazing we will just spend five minutes or so saying that in different ways and then the ufc card delivered in all sorts of tremendous amounts of violence but let's begin with our nfl recap Week 9 in the NFL, it is a weird one. Uh, I heard someone say, if you got a lot right in the NFL this week, uh, then you you probably uh, aren't very good at it because <laughs> there was just nothing made sense. And there's a couple of these sometimes, and this is, I always try to find an over... Uh, an overarching theme for the week. And I think the, the one this week, and it, it feels lazy to do, but sometimes sometimes the lazy move's the right move. And I think that's the one here, where sometimes it's just, yeah, shitty week, man. Like, that's that's basically all you can say. I, I don't think that there is a, a bigger theme here or a bigger concern for Buffalo, for Dallas, and for the Rams than, yeah, shitty week. I, I, I basically think that's it. We'll go through game by game, but I, I think that's kind of... So, sometimes we try to force analysis where there isn't really analysis there. And I think it happens a lot when teams win when we don't expect them. Like Cincinnati a couple weeks ago, and we'll get to that in a little bit here. But I, I think sometimes when teams... Oh, are they done? Is there a this? Is it a da da It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. They played 17 times. Odds are they're going to fuck up a couple of times. This, this was that fuck up. So I think that there's a couple of things... A couple of things we can take away, but let's just run through the games. Buffalo... 14 and a half point favorites against Jacksonville. They lose nine to six. This one just comes down to Josh Allen played poorly. And a, a lot of people, sorry, the Buffalo Josh Allen. A lot of people having fun with the two Josh Allen things. I thought it got a little much, but uh, dude just kept making plays. So uh, definitely the breakout performance for Jacksonville's Josh Allen in this one. But I think you just chalk it up. Yeah, Josh Allen had a bad day. And th this is not a team that I think can be overly successful if Josh Allen isn't playing at an MVP level, which is admittedly a touch concerning um, because he has been more inconsistent this season. And when you have a, a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, you would like to be able to have more than one way of winning. And now the quarterback is the most important position on the field, but we're seeing this with Kansas City, and I think we're starting to see it with Buffalo. We don't have access to the All-22 here in Canada, which is goddamn annoying, but I would love to go back and see how much of that cover two shell that everyone was talking about actually happened against Buffalo. It seemed like Jacksonville's defense had a very good day, but I am going to suggest that these teams that are having trouble with this shell eventually are going to figure it out that this isn't a new way of defending. It's not all of a sudden, oh, well, we actually have our defensive line playing 30 yards off the ball, and that's really giving us this advantage in X, Y, or Z. Like, this is something that has been done before. I, I do believe these teams will figure it out. I think Buffalo will be fine. I think it's a little absurd that they are still the favorites in the AFC when you look at the betting numbers this week, but I don't know who else you would put there. Did the Chargers look amazing to the point where you're going to put them there? Probably not. 
I, I don't know who you would put as the favorite in the AFC, so right now Buffalo kind of getting it by default. The Cleveland Browns would have held a a bit of a stake to that claim earlier uh, going into the season. They, they haven't looked like it too much this year, but they came out and beat the brakes off of Cincinnati. Uh, they went outright as two and a half point underdogs. This is one we got right. Went five and seven on the week, by the way. Still waiting for the Bears to cover plus six and a half this evening. But for the, this was one where I think people were overreacting to Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is good. I don't think they are great yet. And I think you saw a bit of that reflected in the line that it was basically a pick em with the Cleveland Browns. But I, I do think that there maybe needed to be a bit less course correction on Cincinnati. Sometimes teams just have great games, and they had a they had a couple of great games against great teams, and all of a sudden everyone's paying closer and closer attention to them. I think they are a good team. They are not a great team, and I think I would put Cleveland in that category as well. I, I do think that this offense is going to go a little bit better without Odo Beckham Jr. I'm I've quit trying to figure out how to explain that. It's just there is more of a comfort and there is more of a flow in this offense when that dude isn't on that field for that team. Denver. With a dominant win as 10-point underdogs, they beat the Dallas Cowboys. And this this was one where I do think you can take a little bit from it. I, I do think that it was basically just a bad day for Dallas. But this was one where you looked up and every time you looked up, Denver had the football. And I think that there is something to being able to ball control here against the Dallas Cowboys. And just kind of run... In basketball, we would call it dribble the air out of the ball. I, I think you can do that against Dallas here. Um... It gets a little bit tricky. Teams have tried to do that against the, the Kansas City Chiefs for forever. And then all of a sudden, it's a great plan until you're down 17-0 in the second quarter. So we'll see if teams really will be able to take advantage of this. They get the Falcons next week. That's not a team I would anticipate really doing that to them. And then after that, they're taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, not really known for their running. That game's going to be amazing. And then they got the Raiders on uh, American Thanksgiving, a team that I think would be able to have some success running that style of game as they were one of the only ones who was able to successfully do that against Kansas City. For Denver, it's a good win. It's their definitely their best win of the season. And the AFC, the back end of the playoff picture, is far from clear that this could still be a playoff team. I still don't think it is a good team, but that's a good win for Denver. And I, I think that they should absolutely get full marks for a strong game plan. And also Vic Vangio is one of the best defensive play callers in the national football league. I feel like we all kind of know it, but we don't say it enough. So this is just verbalizing how good Vic Vangio is as a defensive play caller. Houston takes on Miami. It was two bad teams. One of them won. Um, Houston gets the victory. So we're only three games out of a play, uh, out of first place in this division right now uh, with my, my prediction that Miami's going to make the playoffs. So still holding tight to that. Vegas taking on the New York Giants. More news coming from the Vegas Raiders today. Um as they have released Damon Arnett. He was seen in a viral video talking about, or waving a gun. So I, I, admittedly, I didn't see it. I just, I saw that he was involved in a, a viral uh, video incident that did not positively shine light on him, which means uh, he's been cut. So now both 2020 first round picks for the Vegas Raiders have been let go. And uh, Matt Miller uh, at NFL Draft Scout pointing this out on Twitter today. Raiders first round draft picks since 2016. Carl Joseph didn't work out. Gary on Conley, nah. uh, Colton Miller, Cleveland Farrell in 19, along with Josh Jacobs, who is the best of the bunch, because in 20, we just talked about both guys are gone, and in 21, Alex Leatherwood leads the world in penalties taken, at least he did a couple of weeks ago. 
here's there's a number of different ways you can go with this one. For the Raiders, in this new regime of Gruden and Mayock and all of these guys, it was important they they kept stressing how important culture was to this team. They kept stressing how important it was to have a good foundation for a culture for the Raiders. And that was the justification for reaching on guys like Cleveland Farrell and for, for reaching on some guys like Alex Leatherwood and making some picks in later rounds that they didn't even have draft profiles for, for guys on the, the NFL draft broadcasts. And the, the justification was culture. But in the last month, They've had to let three dudes go, one coach and two players, for not necessarily showing the best use of culture, shall we say. So, for the Raiders, like if you want to have a, a, a strong locker room, that is fine, but good players can be good locker room guys too. Like, it's just... I. This whole Raider thing has been an absolute disaster, and the fact that they've kept winning games is kind of incredible, but they don't win on Sunday against the the New York Giants. Uh, I don't think that, I do think that there was a lot of just distraction going on with that one, but this was also a football team that just played poorly going out to the East Coast, where they've never played well. So I, I don't know if this is one to read too much into, but I, I think you have to look at the kind of broad lens with the Raiders where so much focus was on culture and now you see that culture just crumbling down at every step and it makes you question everything that has gone on there. But obviously, a new era of Raider football is coming next year with probably a new head coach. Minnesota taking on Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens failed to cover. They do get the win and was watching this with a buddy and when it was, I think it was 24 to 10, it was like, Minnesota's losing this game. They get the, the kick return touchdown, and it was, no, Minnesota's going to lose this game. And then Baltimore basically had the football for the entire second half. And th this is, again, you have a coach who specializes in defense with a defense that couldn't get a stop when you needed it the most. Kirk Cousins played fine in this game, but again, everyone talking about, oh, the, I think uh, it was, what's his name, Hanson on Red Zone said, this is the best three and five football team we've seen in a decade. And look, maybe... I don't have a Rolodex of uh, the power rankings of three of five football teams going back to 2011, but the, the, the praise that gets heaped on this team every week for playing in close games, I, 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 I continue to not understand. They have some good football players on their team, and they have a quarterback who, if he can get it figured out for four quarters, can actually play some, some pretty decent football. But like they, they, have, they have a point differential of plus three. The Eagles have a better point differential than they do. The Seahawks, with Geno Smith, better point differential than than they do. Everyone in the AFC North, except for the Steelers, have a better point differential. Like, it, it's... At what point are we just going to say, like, maybe... It's great that they're hanging in all these games. Maybe they're losing all these close games for a reason. And I, I think that reason is, they aren't that great. So, uh, congratulations... Minnesota on a cover, but no. This was one that I, I just whiffed on as Carolina got annihilated by the New England Patriots. And I think this one is more Belichick v. Darnold than it is Carolina's bad or the Patriots are the, this blow away great team. Big matchup for the Patriots coming up this weekend as they take on, or are they on a buy this? No, uh, they take on the Cleveland Browns. That That's going to be a very telling game for both of these teams and a really intriguing team in the playoff race in the AFC. I, I, 
I think New England's defense is better than I was going to give them credit for. I still don't think that offense is very good. They were able to run the ball successfully yesterday. I don't see them being able to do that against Cleveland. On the Carolina side, Sam Darnold has just never played well against Belichick, but those were some awful decisions that he made in that football game on Sunday. And you really do. That was the first time where I was really buying what everyone else was saying, was selling that this was a team that maybe needs to go in another direction with the quarterback because maybe this dude just doesn't have it at the NFL level. The Chargers come away with a win and a cover, uh, for my purposes more importantly, as they beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-24. The line went down to one and a half by kickoff, and the Chargers uh, end up covering as they get a last-second field goal for a 27-24 win. Again, I still think this is a good team, but they have to get that run defense thing figured out because it was a problem, and it allowed Philadelphia to hang in this game. And this was one of Jalen Hurts' best games, and he at least showed he could make a couple of plays when his team was trailing. I still don't think he is the guy going forward for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I think you can stick with him for the next, because I, I don't, unless they're going out and getting a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson next year, or if the, the Raiders get one of those guys going out and getting a Derek Carr, I even think that would be not bad for them. Um, I, I think he's a good placeholder while you try to find the guy, but I, I don't think he is the dude in, in Philadelphia. And for the Chargers, I, I'm still waiting for them to look as good as I thought they were going to this year. And I am saying that about a team that is currently leading the AFC West. Now, they are doing so with a negative point differential, and I, I do think that that is a stat that tells the tale. If we look at the NFL standings, if the playoffs were to start today, they would be taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the playoffs. Najee Harris could have a field day against them, and all of a sudden, you find yourself on the, the outside looking in. Um, and then to try to figure out what the bracket would look like after would be a fool's errand. But... They, they would have certainly have trouble against Tennessee and Baltimore. I think they would have trouble against the Raiders. I think they would have trouble against the Patriots. And, I mean, the Cleveland Browns could be involved in this. Cincinnati Bengals could be involved in this. Denver could be involved in this. All those teams have strong running games. The Chargers, that is something that needs to get figured out immediately because this is a team that should have Super Bowl aspirations, and it just hasn't worked out for them so far. The most surprising game of the day, San Francisco just whooped on or was just whooped on by Arizona Colt McCoy I feel pretty confident in saying his best performance as a quarterback I do think it was hilarious sometimes when they were taught they actually talked about the poise and all of the those stereotypical things that they say about Colt McCoy for reasons we can all kind of figure out um they were talking about the great game Colt McCoy had while there was a video of his screen pass to James Conner for 75 yards and a touchdown. Like he literally dumped it off to the dude behind the line, line of scrimmage. He ran a mile and got to the end zone for a touchdown. I was like, man, Colt McCoy slinging it, man. Just the leadership there. It was, it was way too funny to, to even be true. And it actually was true. It was hilarious how they were doing it. But th this is... This is the best win for Arizona this season, and this is really the loss that everyone really started talking about Kyle Shanahan and wondering what type of a coach he actually is, because there is there is no way you can let that happen. And again, the thing that is supposed to be Kyle Shanahan's calling card is the offense, and they didn't look good at all against Arizona. It's, it is looking more and more like this is a very poorly run franchise and more and more like that great Super Bowl year where they, they make it to the Super Bowl and lose to Kansas City. That one is looking like the outlier instead of 
uh, reality. And it's frustrating because we had them at the beginning of the season. That was one of the, the, the better bets, I thought, was San Francisco with this schedule winning that division. And they might finish last in it now. Green Bay taking on Kansas City. Uh, I had Kansas City minus 7.5. They do not cover, and that is embarrassing for them. The defense stepped up in a big way. And it was easy to because Jordan Love looked like the furthest thing from an NFL quarterback this season. I think that is the worst I've seen an NFL quarterback play all year long. And there, there have been some bad ones, but he did not look ready for this spotlight at all. And it's one game and it was a weird week, but I, I think if you are Green Bay, this is really a oh shit moment because he he looked like he wanted absolutely zero of the smoke from Kansas City. Throws were awful. Pressure in his face all game. He had no idea how to handle it. And credit the Kansas City defense for just blitzing the bejesus out of him because he did not look ready for that. Green Bay's defense came to play, but again, Kansas City's offense, there's just nothing there. And you are seeing more and more, like Patrick Mahomes, elite-level quarterback. Tyreek Hill, elite-level wide receiver. Travis Kelsey, elite-level tight end. But that's it. And everyone would love to have three elite players on their offense, but when everyone else isn't at an NFL caliber, your offense is going to suffer. Defenses are eventually going to be able to to at least limit what those guys can do. This is why I think Kansas City needs to be in the Odell Beckham sweepstakes. I, I think they need another professional wide receiver in there, and we can scoff at the idea of using that word for Odell Beckham Jr., but they need someone who can get open, and that was... That that was a that that was another. It was another alarming performance from the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday afternoon against the Green Bay Packers. Tennessee taking on the LA Rams. I had Rams minus seven and a half. Also had the under. The under hits. The seven and a half did not. As Tennessee stays atop the uh, AFC with a win, and we talk about this defense having struggles for Tennessee. And I want to clarify very quickly that I do not think this is a good defense for Tennessee, but we might be overstating it a touch. They they hold, they give up 31 to the Colts, but this is a good Rams offense that they limited to 16 points. And that was the, the Chiefs, while well, the Chiefs have been bad, they're not three points bad. I think we all remember like Arizona absolutely shredding them, but that doesn't look all that surprising now. Giving up 30 to the Seattle Seahawks, like there, there was some blown coverages in that game, but... Seattle's a team that can score 30. Holding the Colts 16, okay. Uh, they have a bad week against the Jets when everyone was hurt, but then 19 against the, the Jags. Again, Buffalo scoring 31 isn't the worst thing in the world. Th this is an okay defense, and if the offense can still produce, you look at the, the points they have scored this season. 28, 34, 27, 34, 37, uh, 24, 25, 33, and then they got whooped on by Arizona in week one. Um, so they only get 13 there. But th this is this is a Titans team that was for real without Derrick Henry. They lo lose some of that for realness without him. But this was this was a statement performance, I thought, from Tennessee. Just reminding everyone, hey, we're still going to be good. And, and we are still going to be hanging around in this race. I, I thought that was... I thought that was really, really interesting for, for Tennessee. And I don't want to read too much into it. Because I think it was just kind of a bad night for the Rams. But... I think at some point we have to realize like maybe it was Tennessee's defense causing bad nights for the Rams and the Chiefs and not just those teams having bad nights. That is your NFL rundown. Tonight it is the Bears and the Steelers. That game will probably be, as Jim Ross puts it, bowling shoe ugly. CFL breakdown for this week in the Canadian Football League. The Riders come away with a win over the Edmonton Elks, but there there is something that is concerning. And the Riders... 
have kind of vented some frustration this week about, uh, or this weekend about not getting credit. It's more people talking about how bad Edmonton was than how good Saskatchewan was. You beat them by two and they're a bad football team. So I, I don't really have a whole lot of sympathy there, but one thing that is extremely concerning for Saskatchewan as you head into the postseason is how few touchdowns this offense is able to convert. And the big story for a while was the, the deep passes and Koji Fajardo's frustration that they were not having success on 50-50 balls. I think that they should be looking much more at their lack of success when it comes to putting the ball in the end zone. This week against Edmonton, one touchdown. Last week against Montreal, one touchdown. Week 12 against Calgary, an offensive eruption, two touchdowns. We, they get the bye in week 11. Week 10 against Calgary, one touchdown. Week 9 against Calgary, one touchdown. Week 8 against BC, again, they explode for two. This is six games played, which is almost half of the season in the CFL with eight touchdowns total. That's a problem in the Canadian Football League. When you have teams scoring 30 points on the regular, and I get maybe the offense isn't erupting this way uh, this season the way it has been, but this is kind of when you're supposed to be figuring that out, and the Riders certainly aren't figuring it out. And setting settling for field goals when the other team is putting up touchdowns is the exact way teams get eliminated. And when you have to go up against the Calgary Stampeders, in the first round of the playoffs. And if you make it through that, when you have to go up specifically against Winnipeg, and this was a big problem, I thought, for Saskatchewan. It's been a problem all year, but I thought this was a big problem in the, the two matchups with the Blue Bombers. Winnipeg was putting up seven, Saskatchewan was putting up three, and eventually Winnipeg was able to just run away with both of those games. I think this is going to be a big problem for Saskatchewan going forward, and one that they need to figure out. And it, I don't want to say it's an easy fix, but it shouldn't be this big of an issue when you have a mobile quarterback like Cody Fajardo, and now you have a couple of big wide receivers who can win those 50-50 balls. And maybe that's been the issue, but I, I just feel like that this is a Saskatchewan team that if they want to get where they keep saying they want to get to, this offense has to at least find second gear at some point, and they just haven't so far this season. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be, and find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. So getting into the fights this weekend. Uh, first of all, can I say, amazing fight weekend. We need to split these up a little bit. We especially, especially if Canelo is not going to be on his own anymore. If we got to spend one hundred and fifty dollars, one hundred and sixty dollars on fights for the weekend, or or on fights for the month, I'd like for them to not be bunched up together. It's also a little frustrating. Like they're asking a lot of the combat sports consumer over the last little bit. You had a UFC pay per view last weekend. UFC pay per view this weekend. Big boxing pay-per-view this weekend. We get a couple of weeks off. And then November 20th, another big boxing pay-per-view. Like, people understand we're still kind of in a pandemic here, right? And people have still been losing jobs, right? Like, it, it just, it felt like there was no real, um, it, it just, it's like, hey, let's just make up all of this money right away. So that's incredibly frustrating for, as, as someone who wants to, to watch everything and was really, really happy to... 
um, was really, really happy that when Canelo was on DAZN. And again, you're still having big fights on DAZN. We're still paying for DAZN every month as well. I think you're just asking a whole lot out of the, the combat sports consumer right now. But it was an amazing night. And Canelo Alvarez is now moving into all-time great territory. And he probably was there before. He is definitely the boxer of this generation now, of the post-Floyd era. And even in some of the Floyd era, this is the guy who has taken that mantle as the biggest star in the sport. And he is the best fighter in the sport right now as well. You look at the resume, uh, multiple light middleweight championships, he unified the middleweight titles, he won a light heavyweight championship, and he unified the super middleweight titles. This, this dude, I love the approach that Canelo has taken to his career, where it is not, hey, can I just fight the, uh, a couple of big names, get a couple of big paydays, and let's get out of here. And when, when you saw Floyd Mayweather kind of cherry-picking things a little bit, not that there isn't some cherry-picking in the, these Canelo fights. Um, he gets the two against Gennady Golovkin, but aside from that, he's the clear favorite in a lot of these. But also, if you want him to fight guys who are his equal, you need to get guys who are equal to him, and there just aren't many of them, unless he's going to go up and fight at heavyweight right now. But he is like, okay, well, this is the, the, number, one the number one ranked challenger, or the, this guy holds this belt, guess I'm fighting this guy then. Not a lot of big names. A, he's making him famous. I want to watch Caleb Plant fight again. But B, he just, he is... He has belief in himself as a brand, and I think he has respect for his legacy that he wants to accumulate as many of these championships as possible, and then you stack up his resume against others, and it's going to look really impressive. I think you need a couple more big names on there if we're going to talk about him as one of the best of all time, like Mount Rushmore territory, but in terms of this era, no one is close, and in terms of Mexican fighters, he is getting into that category as well when you're looking at the best of the best to come out of the country of Mexico, which again, is saying a lot. So what's next for Canelo Alvarez? When we're looking at him moving up uh, this fight at, at 168, there isn't a whole lot that jumps off the page at 175, and I feel like that would be a lot. Like, his fight at... um, His fight at light heavyweight against, was it Kovalev? I'm blanking now. Yeah, Kovalev. I don't know, brain fart there. But he he clearly looked smaller. And he ends up getting the win, but Kovalev was a, a little bit washed. If, if you are going to fight the best of the best for the light heavyweight championship, or if you're going to fight some of the best of the best at that weight class, I think it's going to be a bit of an issue for, for Canelo. That might be a bit much. And look, if he ends up getting it, then we're, we're talking more and more about all-time great status. But I, I don't think that there is a fight that meshes with the star power that he would need, and also one that I, I think makes a whole lot of sense for him winning-wise. So I, I think that that would be... I, I think the move up to 175 would be a bit much. If you're just looking in the, the the division at 168, you have David Benavides who could pick up a win, and also, there's a bit of hype on Anthony Durrell right now after his massive uppercut knockout on the undercard of that pay-per-view, and I think that would be an interesting trend to set. It's one I've been talking about forever, but if you can line up champion and challenger on the same night on a boxing card, there, there's a lot of people talking about Durrell right now. Instead of just having throwaway fights on these boxing undercards, I think it would behoove these promoters to, to start to treat these kind of a bit more like UFC cards instead of like boxing cards. And I think you, you created a bit of buzz around an Anthony Durrell. It's a highlight you can show going up against Canelo. I think it's a winnable fight for Alvarez, but I think that would be interesting. But I think the most intriguing move for him is back to 160 pounds. I think there would be a lot of intrigue in a third Gennady Golovkin fight, especially with how contentious that first bout was. Second one, not as much. But 
I, I think you would at least have another big draw there, probably the last big fight of Gennady Golovkin's career. And then there's a couple of other names at 160 pounds that are interesting. Jamel Charlo is certainly one of the, the upcoming stars in, in boxing. And it, you, you would get a lot of parallels between um, Floyd taking on Canelo Alvarez a bit before his prime and then fighting Jamel Charlo. I don't know if Charlo is necessarily before his prime, but I, I think you would get a lot of interesting comparisons there. You have Mangia who you can fight there, and the guy whose name I always mispronounce, but Derev Yochenko, um, could also be an interesting fight for Canelo Alvarez. So I think if, just from a, speaking from a boxing fan, fan perspective, I think 160 pounds is where it is at for Canelo, but I do think that he can just bounce around anywhere. And it's, again, championships don't mean much in boxing right now, but the fact that he is unifying them and bringing importance back to them, I think that could end up being one of the legacies of Canelo Alvarez, is bringing a bit more importance back to these championships by unifying all of them. Now, all of that hard work is going to go away at some point, and we're going to get back to the to the alphabet soup bullshit. But I think for right now, what Canelo is doing for the sport is, it, it cannot be overlooked. And lastly, the Ultimate Fighting Championship with an amazing night of fights at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden in New York City. In the main event, it was Kamaru Usman with a dramatic decision win over Colby Covington. This was a great performance for, for Kamaru Usman, but it was also begrudgingly a very good performance for Colby Covington as well. We'll get into a little bit more of this on Friday, but one of the things you could see Colby was going for almost like a Mike Tyson punch out uppercut of Kamara Usman. And that's because Usman was getting a little predictable in his head movement that he was ducking his head a lot. And that uppercut was there and Colby was starting to land and starting to land with a bit more regularity, but that this was still Usman showing that he is just a touch better than Colby Covington. Covington had a lot more success than I thought he would, but I do think that the better fighter won in this case. In terms of what is next for these guys, I don't know where Covington goes from here. I think Covington against Jorge Masvidal would be good. I do think we have basically a title eliminator coming up next month with Leon Edwards fighting Jorge Masvidal. I think you put the winner against Usman. I think you put the loser against Colby Covington. I'm... I think it's as easy as that, because right aside from that, at middleweight right now, you don't really have a lot of options aside from Kamzat Chimaev. And I do think that's an interesting option, but I do still think he is a fight or two away from getting to that level. If Usman wants to take some well-earned time off, then by all means, but he doesn't really seem like that dude. So I, I think, especially if Leon Edwards wins. If Leon Edwards wins, that's the easy one to make. If Masvidal wins, that was a pretty aggressive conclusion to that belt the last time. I don't know if you could really sell that one for a third time, but we've seen Stupid or Sold before. In the co-main event, Thug Rose squeaks out a split decision win over Zhang Weili. This was an incredible fight. And you could see Zhang was a little bit timid in the, the early part of this fight, not wanting to get caught by that head kick. But some of the scrambles in this belt were amazing. And the momentum changes. It's not often in a UFC fight, because it's just five rounds, that you get kind of the same story that can be told in boxing, which is, I, I think, one of the, the, the edges that boxing may have over mixed martial arts. But this one, there was a story to it. There was a back and forth. And even going into that final round, who is going to win this? And you see that championship resolve from Rose Namajunas. And there's more technique involved than just she wanted it more. But that was an incredible performance from Rose Namajunas. And... We're talking about her as one of the, the all-time greats in, in women's MMA. I think she is firmly behind the 
uh, Amanda Nunez's and Valentina Shevchenko's of the world. I don't even know if the resume is quite at Ioana's yet, even though she has beat Ioana before, but we, we are certainly getting there. As far as what is next, I think a Carlos Barza fight has to be up next for, for Rose Namajunas. And I think that would be an interesting mark for her resume as she has, um, she's got back every loss that she's had, except for the Carlo one. So now, could be interesting. Uh, as far as what's next for Zhang Wei Li, she's always going to be in amazing fights. I think having her be able to train for three-round fights is going to be spectacular for her. And I, I do think that we have not seen the last of her in terms of a title challenger. But we probably haven't, we're, we're probably not going to see a trilogy with her and Thug Rose because that's two wins to none for Thug Rose. A couple other ones, tough one for, for Frankie Edgar. If he wants to keep going, I wouldn't surprise me. I tweeted out, and I believe we talked about it on the preview show, that this could be the final time he steps into the octagon. If he wants to keep going, I, I did not see a washed fighter on Saturday night. Uh, and the 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 knockout shot was not a, oh, shit, his career. It wasn't Chuck Liddell, right? Losing to the broken left hand of, of Rich Franklin. This was, this was an emphatic knockout for Cheeto Vera. And I think one that now propels him into another level in that division but for for frankie edgar if he wants to keep going that's fine if he doesn't it's an amazing career and one that we will definitely look back fondly on and of course uh gaethje versus chandler are now forever going to be linked when you think of chandler you think of eddie alvarez now you're also going to think of justin gaethje and vice versa and that fight deserves i, I believe it's chuck mendenhall has a piece on this today that fight deserves to have consequences and that fight deserves to have justin gaethje as the number one contender for the 155 pound title that will be decided um in december with charles de bronx taking on dustin poirier and again if the loser wants to fight michael chandler I ain't sneezing at that one either. A lot of fun stuff to come out of the UFC. That's going to do it for the show this week. Have a couple of big things planned for the rest of the week. Um, I am going to be in Vancouver, so it's going to be, again, I say pre-taped stuff. All this shit is pre-taped. You're not listening to this as I'm saying it. It's a podcast. That's how these fucking things work. But, um... Hoping that things don't necessarily fall through. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in and listening. Rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. That stuff really does help as we're trying to, to grow this podcast. So please do that. And yeah. Twitter and Instagram, primetimecline. Twitch.tv slash primetimepk. YouTube, primetimecline. Thank you guys so, so much. I'll talk to you later this week. I'm out.